and welcome to the Shiny New Object Podcast. My name is Tom Ollerton and this is a podcast about the future of marketing. Every week I have the pleasure and the privilege of interviewing someone exciting, influential from the industry and this week is no different. We have Vivian Lee who is a digital marketing executive at Harry's. I came across Vivian when I saw the drums 50 under 30 list and I flicked through that and I thought who'd be interesting for the podcast so I begged her to be on the podcast and, and she's here but before we get to to meet Vivian I need to say thanks to the guys at 3 Studio so 3 have one of the most exciting offices I've ever been in actually uh, so we're at 3 Store on Oxford Street they run events here, they have an influencer lounge at the end, uh, obviously they won't let me in there, uh, but they also have the beautiful podcast facilities, so uh, yeah, definitely one of the most forward-thinking, hands-on, practical, creative brands out there, being very generous in letting us use their studio. So Vivian, that's enough about the studio, enough about me, can you tell the audience who may not be familiar with your career who you are and what you do? Sure, so I'm currently a digital marketing executive at Harry's where I manage all of our search and display advertising for our DTC business in the UK. So we sell razors, we do subscriptions, but you can also purchase on our website as and when you wish. And prior to this, I spent a bit of time in investment banking after finishing university. I joined a graduate programme and then realised it wasn't quite right for me, it wasn't quite what I wanted to do. So yeah, here I am now, I joined Harry's about one and a half years ago and yeah, that was the start of my marketing career. So that's a shift, man. How yeah. did that come about? Uh, well, I think at university I kind of just went into this bubble, like all my friends and people doing my course, I studied economics, were kind of going into the banking, consulting industries and a lot of the career fairs are very predominantly from those kind of firms so I felt like that was where I was headed after my economics degree it felt like the right transition and yeah it felt like it would open up a bunch of doors but kind of going into banking eight months later I was like this isn't quite what I want to do so I decided to take the leap and I quit and Joined Harry's like two oh, months on, later, that, I think that, it was. That, that's a uh, but that's a what was your I'm really interested in your thought process. So you you took the courageous thing of saying no, this isn't right, yeah, which is fantastic. But then, how did you get to marketing? How did you get to a, like, a really innovative, new, disruptive business like Harry's? Yeah, so I at university in second year, I got onto the Google Ad Camp program, which took place in their Dublin European headquarters office. And I kind of got a bit of insight into marketing, into Google AdWords, and thought that was quite interesting. And when I looked into digital marketing in particular, you've got the creative side, but you've also got a lot of data and analysis. And I felt that what I'd learned at investment banking could be applied to that. And it just seemed like the right thing to do for me. And it seemed really interesting. And I came across Harry's because my boyfriend's mum bought him a set for Christmas and he mentioned it, mentioned it to me and we were talking about Dollar Shave Club, Harry's and Gillette and when I was looking for marketing jobs Harry's came up and I looked at the job description and I was like this is pretty much spot on what I want to do it's a cool company, it's growing loads, it's got an established business in the US and at that point I think Harry's had just launched for a year 
So now it's two years in the UK, so we're still pretty young, lots of growth, and it's really exciting. It's got a real startup culture in the office, which I really enjoy. It's very different to kind of the corporate banking lifestyle that I had before. And yeah, I'm really enjoying digital marketing now. It's been great, and Fantastic. the team are great. So in in your newish career in, in marketing, what's been the best investment of your own and own kind of time, energy, and money that you put into your career thus far. I think, to be honest, the time that I spent in investment banking, even though it was short, was the best investment of my time post uni. Like I think, the eight months that I spent there taught me so many skills and gave me so many opportunities that I might not have necessarily got had I joined somewhere else at an entry level role. So. For example, I was working on a project with three managing directors who were basically the most senior people in an investment bank. So that was really cool and I got to sit in in client meetings, sitting opposite head of strategy of a bank, sitting opposite a director of an asset management firm. So what did you specifically pick up from that level of seniority? You don't need to tell me mm. what they said, but the, the, the exposure to that level must have been incredible. But what, what did you take away from that specifically? working under pressure and making sure that what you're doing is correct because it was me and then there were three managing directors and later on we brought in an associate to the team which was one level above me but when you're working with three managing directors they're so busy and most of the time they're looking at kind of the overview and as an analyst I was looking at the numbers kind of building the deck and they're not necessarily going to look through every single number that we present to the client so for me it was kind of being under the pressure of these have got to be correct because we're presenting them, the client, them to a client and then I'm also sitting opposite the client and if anything is wrong, like I would have to explain it, but also presenting to clients, presenting to people that are quite senior, I think that was a really great opportunity and looking back it was, it was actually quite terrifying and I was sat there like a <laughs> couple of months out of university chatting to like <laughs> industry leaders but yeah, I think that's really built my confidence and yeah. especially moving into a new industry at Harry's that something that I was worried about was having to learn everything again. But yeah, it's, I've been able to transfer a bunch of skills like the analytical Excel skills and that's been really helpful for me at Harry's to broaden my experience and broaden my role, not just to be a PPC specialist looking at search and display channels, but also things like taking a look at our customer economics, for example, looking at data about our customers, average value, like average order value, but also making things more efficient in our team. So we run a bunch of channels, all of the spends and stuff come in in different places and trying to streamline that and put them, put them in all one like reporting doc. That's been something that's been really cool at Harry's for me to work on things other than just like specifically digital marketing but also like strategy and analytics and all that kind of stuff so what new belief or behavior has changed the way you work in since you've moved from from one industry into another i think the in the recent years learning and development's been a really big thing and a lot of companies are now investing a lot more in their employees in terms of L&D and I think that's really good and for me moving to a new industry 
the fact that Harry's has been so good with training, with my development, I think that a lot of my success at Harry's, being able to go from having no marketing experience to now managing day-to-day our channels, that's a lot attributable to my manager and the team and just generally like having a focus on developing your skills. So not what specifically have you looked, what the L&D have you done, what kind of specific mm. traits? So at Harry's we've been fortunate to have quite a generous L&D budget per person so I've spent that on a sequel course, I did a sequel boot camp at General Assembly and that's helped me to pull kind of more complex data queries from our database and I've also subscribed to the drum which helps me kind of have a broader awareness of what other brands are doing not just in performance marketing but overall brand campaigns because I think that's really important for me I'm so in the details of direct response and having like those metrics of conversion CPAs it's good to keep an understanding of the cool bigger brand awareness campaigns that other people are doing um but yeah so i think for me it's really important that in any job that i am that learning and development's really a core focus because you always want to be learning new skills and be able to stretch yourself so i think and also i think that learning and development helps you become a better employee so because i've been able to learn a bit of sequel that makes my day-to-day job a bit easier when I'm pulling stuff from our database and yeah I think learning development is a massive thing that more recently a lot of companies are now putting as like their benefits on their careers website right and I think it's so interesting the balance you gave me like doing a sequel course and subscribing to the drum they're yeah. sort of very very different parts of the brain but so so outside of sort of being open-minded about your career choice and and pushing yourself to learn what advice would you give to the 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 generation just behind you who are Mm -hmm. coming out of education and looking for a career in marketing I think work experience is probably one of those most important things and I think that has helped me personally like I started I started internships in the summer after my A-levels and I've been able to get experience of a bunch of different industries like marketing, consulting, banking. Where did you intern specifically? Uh, So I did an internship in EY doing consulting, one of the big four firms. Um, I did a bunch of, I did an internship in investment banking as well, but I also did stuff like working as a receptionist in a hotel, Um, other things like working, spending a week in an economic development consultancy, so pretty much like a broad range of things, pretty much like anything that I could be accepted onto as like a year 11, year 12 student. But because I think you always have to start somewhere, the whole thing about needing experience to get a job, but you need a job to get that experience. If you start early on, even if it's like totally unrelated to like working as a receptionist in a hotel, it's completely unrelated to what I ended up doing after uni. But the skills you know, skills like working in a team, communicating with others, or dealing up, dealing with challenges and difficult situations, they're all things that can apply to any job, any career you pursue. And I think when you're interviewing with a company as a grad, being able to pull anecdotes from that and demonstrate how you would p- 
perform in that situation is way more valuable. And yeah, so I think starting early, getting experience, even if it's not completely related to what you want to do, it's really great. And just showing enthusiasm, read up on marketing, like understand all the different metrics. You don't have to be an expert. You don't have to know exactly how to use Google ads or use Facebook ads, but understanding how it works in terms of you target people and you target different audiences interests and you set budgets and things like that that kind of shows that you've read into the industry read understand a bit how it works and then most of it is learning on the job and being enthusiastic and keen to take in everything so that's great advice to be open-minded and to learn as much as you can even before you get into the job but you have got yourself into a a, a complex job performance marketing is mm-hmm. is not a straightforward business there's the balance of technology platforms and creativity there's visual mm-hmm. and written messaging it's a hugely hugely complex world and you're not only are you new to that world you're new to the industry you must suffer from overwhelm from time to time how do you deal with that yeah so as you mentioned there's so many things to cover within performance marketing there's the whole like creative side coming up with creative ideas so when we're thinking about what new banner ads we want to test or what new copy we want to test on search ads there's that creative element and then building landing pages I do that as well and thinking about what like how we want customers to see our page when they click through an ad like the customer flow as well as all the optimization that we do on the chat on the platform and I think that for me speaking to others in my team really helps so if I have like a creative block a mental block speaking to our graphic designer say that you know I've got this idea what do you think of it um, so you're responsible for the creative side as well as managing the optimization so of the we our graphic designer does all of like the graphics creative design Photoshop but I think increasingly I'm tr- for my personal development I'm trying to come up with more of the ideas so I'll for example I'll have a copy idea and how I visit envisage it in my head I might draw out kind of a badly drawn idea of what I want it to look like and then he'll work his magic and build it and edit it to make it look nicer but more and more I've got more of a say in that creative ideation what I want our creative to look like and say for example if I'm building out a landing page and I want a specific image for example I'll ask I'll ask our graphic designer to you know, maybe do a photo shoot or see if we've got something already existing so a lot I've got a lot more creative input nowadays that I'm pushing myself to do a bit more of that but also I think so me and my manager do this thing called rubber duck rubber ducking I'm not sure if you heard of it it comes from I think it's coders when you're trying to figure out what's wrong with your code you basically have like a rubber duck and you explain it you explain it to the rubber duck and by explaining it to someone else it makes you find that problem more easily so, so you when don't, you don't explain it to your colleague you you explain it to I think that's duck. how it started which is how it was called a rubber duck but obviously right, okay. now me and my manager like I'll speak to him and I'll and I'll say I'm trying to do this in an Excel cell I'm trying to pull this and this with this if function but I think I'm meant to do this but 
that kind of thing and you when you're explaining it to someone else and trying to work it through with someone else I find it's quicker than sitting there looking at my screen and trying to figure it out the practice of vocalizing the problem yeah. puts everything in sequence to then give your brain the chance to, yeah. to spot where the, the problem is yeah. right. so when I'm feeling a bit overwhelmed with some Excel formula I'm trying to do explaining it to someone else you helps me figure it out a lot quicker so that that really helps and yeah and sometimes I think when you're brainstorming with others you come up with ideas that you might not necessarily think of which yeah really helps and another thing is if I'm feeling a bit unfocused as well going out for a bit of a walk going to the gym at lunchtime I'm very fortunate that my gym's right opposite the office so it's literally a two minute walk and I find that that really helps. Like times I've tried to build a landing page and kind of had a mental block, gone out to the gym, come back and my head's so much clearer. That that, that really helps for me. One of the technologies that, I don't know if it's still going, but I, I saw a year or so ago, uh, the guys at Airbnb have got this creative AI tool where they can just sketch out. They go, I want the mobile page to look like this, I want the logo up there and I want to have the main image there and I want the and they sketch it out in pen and then this like, visual recognition thing will actually code it up and go look there's a, a working oh. version um, I don't know how much of that was sizzle excitement and stuff but uh, mm -hmm. I thought that was pretty cool yes. um, but that's a that's a great tip I really love that idea of rubber ducking um, I'm, I'm going to give that a go yeah well, my manager and I do it all the time <laughs> and my, my daughter has lots of rubber ducks so I might be able to steal one off her from, from the office so the next question you wanted me to ask you was how do you want people to remember your career and kudos for uh, picking that question because in all fairness you're fairly early on in that career yeah. so projecting forward to the end of your career how do you want people to look back on that career yeah so obviously I've still got lots of goals and achievements to work towards too as you mentioned so early on in my career but ultimately I'd like to re be remembered as someone who had a positive impact, whether that's on my team, on the business, or just on society in general. So things like in terms of team, I'd like to think that I've really helped with our reporting, making it more efficient. I've run a bunch of training sessions on digital marketing for people in other parts of the business, which has been really cool and other people have done that for me as well understanding more about how retail works etc and something that's a bit more fun I was involved in organizing a food challenge so having positive impact on the office culture having fun in the office we did a spicy noodle challenge which was quite good and I feel like people Explain do remember this to me this is all news to me so what is a what, so is, what is a food challenge and what's a, what did you do specifically I think it starts in the US but in the UK we've kind of continued it so every now and then we have a food challenge and the first one was a chicken nugget challenge where it was how many nuggets can you eat in oh it's three like a volume minutes. thing yeah right okay so some of them are volume things some of them are speed things and yeah after the chicken nugget challenge I was like why don't we do like a spicy noodle challenge and see how people cope with heat and yeah so things like that fun things in the office <laughs> contributing to that Harry's team culture. Um, and so what? It's a. 
this is fascinating. So the the hot noodle, spicy noodle challenge. So it was like you made different degrees of heat, or it did like it's all one degree of heat. So there's like a Korean noodle that is well known to be the fire noodle, and if you look it up on YouTube, you'll see loads of people doing it and basically sweating right. and crying. But they've got like instant noodle cups. So basically, we just use boiling water in the office and then put them all together and people who wanted to do it did the spicy noodle challenge and it was it was very spicy i think my lips definitely swole up a bit (laughs) but yeah things like that having a positive impact on other people whether that's like business or fun side but it's it's difficult it's difficult that work culture office culture thing because as soon as someone goes oh we should do something about the culture you've already taken two steps back away from being Mm -hmm. having a good culture like to 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 talk about it to look at it I always feel it feels really cringy to me yeah but um that story reminds me of where my first job in digital where uh, the MD said uh right we're gonna have like a cheeseburger challenge so we, we <laughs> bought 70 cheeseburgers from McDonald's mm-hmm. and uh and we and I think I, I couldn't eat more than four or four and a half or something like that you sort of you really decent. they're only small but I like, used you know you kind of hit a wall with those things and but, but the worst thing was this it just killed the afternoon like everyone just went into this oh yeah like, everyone was feeling sick afterwards to be fair yeah. I didn't I didn't participate in the chicken nugget challenge but there were lots left over so I did have a few at the end <laughs> right yeah <laughs> and, and with our company when we set it up we're like well what we'll do every week is like we'll, we'll all cook for each other so, so everyone will take it in turns to bring mm. in and it, but it just it just meant that like you know every third third or fourth week you know you when we were when we were a small team, we'd be like, "Well, I'm gonna go home, and now I've got to cook for everyone at work." And it was like, not that, you know, there wasn't a lot of, um, you know, love for each other in the office. But it was just like, you know, you kind of needed a break. But I, I do like that idea. So, so I, I think that's a great example of how you'd make the office culture better. But how, how do you see yourself in your career making a difference on, like, a community wider than that? Yeah. So. At Harry's, something that I'm really proud of is that we have a 1% giving model. So we donate 1% of our revenue to our partner charities that we really believe in. And our key focus at the moment is male mental health. And I think that's something that, you know, as a business, obviously mainly your goal is to be profitable, but also having that social mission is also really important. And something that Harry's worked on, I think it was last year or the year before, it was Project 84 with Calm. So Calm is a charity called Campaign Against Living Miserably. And I'm not sure if you've seen, it was on the ITV buildings where they had 84 statues or models basically representing, I think it's 84 men who commit suicide every, I can't remember the time frame, but it was super impactful and it was right before I joined Harry's and I remember walking along the Thames and seeing all of those statues up at the top and it was quite harrowing but after that I think Calm saw an influx in people calling them up asking for help and I think that's something that's really important so being part of a business that does other things like that and has a positive impact and since then we've now got a suicide prevention minister in the government which is really cool and there's been 
actionable things that have happened as a result of Harry's working with CALM, Harry's working with other charitable organisations to do good in wider society. And yes, I'd like to think that hopefully one day I'll get to lead or manage something similar to that in my career to build something that not just, you know, building a business or driving profitable growth, but also being involved in something that does good for the society in general. I think that's really nice and that's something that makes me really proud to work for Harry's because we do cool stuff and cool stuff like that. So moving on now to your shiny new object, you've described it as the return of retail. So mm-hmm. very much an online business. Yeah. I'm intrigued to hear more about how you see the return of retail uh, impacting Harry's and and uh, the sector as a whole. Yeah, so in the news we're constantly seeing all these different department stores and high street stores closing down and everyone who hasn't already is trying to get online in e-commerce. DTC is this new big thing that everyone's talking about. There's pretty much a subscription for anything. I think there's like bacon subscriptions, cheese subscriptions, socks, like anything you could think of there's probably a subscription for it. And yeah, so and businesses businesses trying to get online and become multi-channel retailers. So for example, MS have bought half of Avocado to try to get into that online groceries market. But despite all of this, I think there is a significant future for retail or at least having a physical presence because I think there are three main things. There's the brand aspect, there's the convenience aspect and also experience, customer experience. So in terms of brand, like I think having a physical presence is quite important for your brand activation. So for example, I'd say as a DTC company, if you're only online, you can communicate with customers online, you can tell your story online, talk to them on social media, but the customers will struggle to interact with your product. So if you're in a physical store, you can look at the product, you can touch it, and get a feel for the brand. And you've got, so Harry's went into Boots in April this year, and we had stands, we had a stand with a big razor cardboard kind of display and that catches people eye people's eye in the store and you kind of look at it and you you'll find out what Harry's is about and Birchbox did a pop-up store in Carnaby a while ago where you basically went into a store and it's kind of the same concept as what Birchbox is you get samples of different skincare products and stuff and I think that's a really good way to show people what your brand's about but also I think in terms of branding you're reaching a wider market so all a lot of people are buying online now but there's still a significant proportion of people who will prefer to go into a store to buy stuff and to reach those people that you might be missing out on if you're only online you need to have some sort of retail presence and if you think about for Harry's, so a big competitor, right, is Gillette, they're the biggest players in the market, 
where do most people buy their Gillette razors? It's in retail, in stores. So if you're trying to convert people from Gillette to Harry's, you've also got to be in places where people will restock on their Gillette razors. Um, yeah, so I think in terms of brands, like being able to get that brand awareness up, you've got to be where people are. And yeah, having the opportunity to have a pop-up store, have some brand activation. And so how did that tactic of moving into to Boots affect what you did on a performance basis? Did, did you see the different search volumes? How did, was there any impact? I'm sure, obviously I'd imagine a large impact on the business as a whole, but in your day-to-day -day role, how did, how did you feel the impact of that affect you? I think it's been largely quite positive. I think being in Boots has increased our brand awareness quite a lot. We also had a big campaign um, on the tube and on buses. We did like a big bus wrap, it was really cool. But it's, I think it's just increased our brand awareness because people who might not necessarily have seen our ads online or on TV, they're going into Boots and now they're seeing, seeing Harry's there next to the Gillette razors and people who maybe aren't as keen on subscriptions or aren't as keen on buying online are buying from Boots. And yeah, we've got an increase in kind of search terms when people search for Harry's, the Harry's razors at Boots. But yeah, largely on, on us, it's still been positive. I think it's also been really good in terms of people aren't just like, oh, it's just an online brand. They're in Boots as well, and Boots is pretty well known. So if you're in Boots, it kind of gives you a bit more recognition. So do you think this is um, going to be a model that's like a, a fairly well-trodden path where where you can you can target early adopters with performance marketing techniques with yeah. Facebook ads or, mm -hmm. or PPC and who, who've the people who happy to be different, happy to take yeah. a risk. You know, and try something you know. different, yeah. Um, but then that is a, obviously always going to be a limited market and if you want to hit mainstream then you're going to have to broaden out but it's far less of a, a financial risk up front to set up like an online business mm -hmm. where you can have all your razors in the back bedroom and yeah. buy some PPC ads yeah. and post them all out yourself versus bringing up boots and trying to convince them to give you some shelf space. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's absolutely true. So as you kind of try to, as you move along the adoption curve to mass market, you'll find that a lot of people will still, you know, go to Tesco and pick something up on in their weekly shop or they'll be on their lunch break at work and they're like, oh yeah, I've forgotten. I've just remembered I don't have any razor blades left at home, but Boots is just down the corner. I can go get that on my way to get lunch. And sometimes, which leads me to the convenience bit, is that sometimes buying online isn't always the most convenient or always the quickest. So for me, some like there's been times where oh, I've got a party coming up at the weekend and it's maybe a Thursday, Friday and there's just an H&M five minutes from the office. So I can pop down, try it on like half an hour and I have bought what I need for the party. But if I were to go on ASOS and yes, there's next day delivery, but it means if I'm not sure what size will fit me, I'll buy like three different sizes, two, two, three different sizes. And yes, it's really easy to return it. I just take it back to the post office but I know that I've got that inconvenience of then returning the ones that don't fit me plus 
got to make sure that even if I select next day delivery, that it's going to come. Because sometimes next day delivery, there might be delays, like something might have gone wrong in the warehouse. So sometimes it is just quicker to go down to the shops. And maybe it's because I live in London that I think this way. But yeah, when you order something and it's meant to come on time and it doesn't, and that skews your plan, or you order something that's a bit bigger than your letterbox so it doesn't fit through your letterbox, but you live in a building of flats. Yeah. So then someone leaves it outside, it gets stolen. Or I think Hermes normally leave it in a bin or something and your bin gets taken out. So some things are just easier to buy in person or pick it up. And I think Amazon's done that quite well. So they don't really have any they don't have any physical stores in the UK, but they offer the collect from the lockers. So it means that instead of delivering it to your house, you can collect it from a locker somewhere if there's one close to you. But yeah, so I think like delivered to your door isn't always the most convenient. So there's a lot of hype about online, but there's still some sort of demand for having a retail store that people can go in and pick something up, buy something there. Yeah, it's very true. I I can't remember the name of the chap who did the presentation, but he uh, he basically showed all these titles from marketing magazines saying it's it's the end of or it's the death of or yeah. x will kill y and it is uh, as an industry we're like oh it's the death of retail it's you know they, mm-hmm. um but you know it's very rare that, that one behavior completely eclipses and, and kills another you know this there's, there's still direct mail you still get people stood in the street asking you yeah. for your credit card for a charity mm-hmm. um you know there's it's, it's very I, mean, I don't know fax marketing probably isn't a thing anymore <laughs> but you know there's always they, there's always going to be yeah. a, a different way or a, a different supply so um, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and and telling me a bit about what is already a, a super exciting career mm-hmm. and uh, I, it was really inspiring to hear the way that you straddle both creative and and the, you know, the left and right brain stuff mm-hmm. um, managing the platform and doing the optimizations as well as pushing yourself to do all these different things and some great advice for the the generation just behind you but also i think a lot of inspiration for people older older than you uh, to uh to like, sharpen up our game and push ourselves and to maybe try eating more spicy noodles <laughs> so uh, vivian thank you so much um if you sorry if people who are listening to this podcast want to get in touch with you how would you like them to do that linkedin's probably easiest just search me vivian lee at Harry's should probably pop up fantastic thank you so much thank you for having me it's been great